You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From Duke University. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Joe G, J-Rod, Nick Ashew with you on a Thursday as we look forward with some futures here in the NBA. And we've hit on a bunch of things, teams that can make a leap. We talked about the title yesterday when Nick was with us. And how about we dive into Rookie of the Year, which... I think it was an interesting market anyway, you know, when the draft first happened because there was uncertainty who would be the number one pick. So it's like there's not that one guy in this class that everyone's like, all right, this is the next special player. There's a group of them that could be pretty good. But then, we, you know, Nick, we got the Paolo, uh, the Paolo Bancaro pick at one, and now we have the Chet Holmgren injury. And I think it throws the market in flux. There's probably some other players that we haven't talked about that now just, just by the numbers game, they have a chance, right? One of the top three picks is out for the season. Uh, first, let's talk about uh, Chet. W- where were you on Chet before the injury? Polarizing prospect. And then he went to summer league, and it's like, whoa, maybe there's something there. And unfortunately, he's going to be gone for this season. But I- I'm intrigued by by his skill set and what he could be in the NBA. Incredibly unique skill set. And you can talk about the skinniness and the size. That had nothing to do with the foot injury that he went through. That's a Liz Frank injury. Tall guys in general uh, and foot injuries is a little concerning, but it had nothing to do with like the fact that he just needs to put on weight. And you will add weight when you work with NBA trainers and nutritionists and get to do the best thing ever, which is, hey, eat a 5,000, 10,000 calories a day and gain weight. Who doesn't want to be on that diet plan? That's what everybody wants. But in some ways, there's a silver lining to this, and obviously, I hope he gets better. He's going to be really good for the NBA, but now he's got a year to sit and, and work on things like his strength while he's rehabbing this, to work on putting on some of that weight while still obviously getting better at anything else that he needs to do once he recovers from this foot injury. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I know everything that goes into a Liz Frank recovery, but that's going to be one of the things that he can at least work on this offseason. But I, the guy's got a, certainly got a really, really bright future. And at this point now, if the Thunder have the number one overall pick again and they get Victor Wembanaya, uh, the guy that everybody, if you haven't heard about him, go look this guy up over in France. He is the, the unicorn of all unicorns at 7'3", and he's shooting from 30 feet out and, and handling the ball like Kyrie Irving. The Thunder will have the skinniest, longest team in the history of the NBA starting next year. So they're just going to keep piling on a bunch of Gumbies to this roster, and they're going to look just like a freak show next year with the type of talent that they have, but also, you know, how skinny they all are. So they're all going to be on the great gain-weight diet plan next year in Oklahoma City. Well, I'm well, glad you brought him up. My house. I think teams, I've got that, I've got that are, diet down. So. <laughs> teams are taking a tank for that kid. The the Victor kid that you mentioned. I watched I watched yes. highlights of him a couple months ago, and I was like, oh, I get it. That's why the Thunder did what they did. That's why this, the uh, Spurs traded away DeJounte Murray. Like, they're tanking for this yep. kid. He's, you, you said it, yeah. unicorn. So next year, we'll be able to bet on him for rookie of the year. But for this year... What, what are you thinking here? So if we look at the odds for Rookie of the Year in the NBA. Right now at BetMGM, Paolo Bancaro, 2-1, to one, the favorite. Keegan Murray, who played really well in the uh, mm-hmm. Summer League and caught people's attention at 5-1. to one. 
Maybe the Kings did something right. Jaden Ivey, plus 550. I like Jaden Ivey a lot. I think he could be a really good player. And then you got Jabari Smith, 6-1. to one. We, we could throw out some longer shots, but let, let's start with the top group, Nick. Pancaro, 2-1. to one. Keegan Murray, 5-1. to one. Jaden Ivey, plus 550. Jabari Smith, 6-1. to one. Where, does your, where does your mind take you? It's, it's important to look at what opportunity is going to... Don't worry about team record or anything like that for Rookie of the Year. That, that doesn't matter in this award. But it is important to look at opportunity. How much in terms of just usage and, and shots are you going to get? You got to put up numbers. Really, the guys that score a ton of points as a rookie tend to get the most votes, tend to normally... Uh, get the opportunity to at least be a finalist to get, you know, be in the top three to win rookie of the year. Paolo Bancaro was clearly there. I think Orlando is not going to win a lot of games this year, but they've built something with a young, really talented team where the Cavs were last year. You give it a year or two, and that's going to be the Orlando magic taking that next step where they double their win total in a couple of seasons. So clearly at Bancaro at two to one, not a ton of value, but the most likely winner still with that scenario. I like Keegan Murray in Sacramento. The question becomes, you know, that team is a little bit better in terms of what their record was last year. So does he get enough of an opportunity to be a major focal point, you know, within that offense? If I'm looking for a little bit of a, a value pick, I'm, I'm taking Jabari Smith off the board first off in Houston. And the reason why is because you got a backcourt already there in Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green that are going to shoot and shoot and shoot. And, and Jabari Smith, I'm worried, is going to be more of a defensive player early on and you know, be third or fourth on the team in shots and just not have that main role that that backcourt is going to have. Benedict Matherin in Indiana is somebody to watch at 10 to 1. And I know there's a lot of talent. This is a deep, deep rookie class. But he's got a chance on a rebuilding Pacers team to get some significant opportunity there. And, you know, if, if that's enough where he kind of surprises a lot of people and some of these other top picks – get maybe a little bit more scrutinized. There's more expectations on Jaden Ivey. And, you know, he goes a month where he's shooting 38% from the field, which can happen to a lot of these rookies. If Matherin can stay consistent, he can at least elevate himself where you look at that 10 to 1 and say, that's tempting given the big role that he's going to have with the Pacers. Yeah, there's a interesting nugget for, for those that, that believe in trends. This century, only five times, has a non-top four pick one yes. rookie of the year. Five wow. times this yep. century. Yeah. And that yes. was 2017. So if, if, if you know, these guys are, are there for a reason and they are usually going to win it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. I'm very high on Keegan Murray in Sacramento. The question is, is he going to have that availability to play? Right, right. So, well, let's dive into that for a second. That's a really interesting nugget from, from J-Rod there about where the – where the winners come from is that because teams are getting better at taking the right players or is this simply about opportunity you mentioned that nick if you're taken in the top four or five you're going to an awful basketball team most of the time right like there's weird exceptions team has a high pick or whatever but usually you're going to a team that won 20 games a year before 25 games so there's easy playing time is is, is as simple as that like you go to orlando you get to play because orlando doesn't win any games the year before Right, you get you go to the Sixers or you go to the Celtics, you don't get on the court right away, right? Tyrese Maxey was the twentieth pick. Tyrese Maxey's a good player, but it's taken him two years to kind of find his way onto the court because he's with other good players. The mm. oppor- you mentioned opportunity, and I think that you really have to look at that when you try to bet this. You everyone wants a long shot, but is the tenth pick going to get on the court enough to play enough to score enough? 
Yeah, it really just becomes at that point, does that team have a deeper rotation where you're going out and getting right. 13, 14 points a game? But that's not that's enough to be an all-rookie, but that's not enough to win rookie of the year. And that's that's what makes it so difficult. When uh, Malcolm Brogdon won a few years ago, 36th overall pick, there just wasn't any other standout rookies. He was the only second-round pick to ever, or second second-round pick to ever win it. Because, by the way, I had to look this up because I know I wrote about it and I had it here. Back in 1958, J-Rod, Good old Woody oh Salisbury, who was picked 60th hey. overall, one rookie of the year. So you're never going to find that again, though. It's very rare that you actually even find anybody outside of the top 10. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon and Salisbury, then it was Michael Carter-Williams, who was 11th overall. Mark Jackson went 18th overall. Jamal Wilkes was also 11th overall. And then Don Meineke, all the way back in 1952, was number 12 overall. They're the only ones outside of the top 10 in the history of the NBA that have ever won the award when you weren't yeah, just even, yeah, like top 10 matters, top five matters. We know this about the NBA versus the NFL. You can find talent in second, third rounds and things like that over in the NFL because there's more positions on both sides of the ball. There's more talent. Sometimes there's just, there's a lot more college football players playing at smaller programs that have an opportunity when they get to the NFL to stand out. So it works that way. We know the best talent in the NBA. Those guys are hyped before they get to college. We know them as some of the top players in, in high school. Then they're usually one and dones for the most part. Maybe, a, uh, you know, they st stayed two years. They get drafted high, and most of the time, they're drafted by really bad teams as high picks, and they're not expected to be like MVPs. What they are expected to do is grow and develop, and you can shoot 40% from the field maybe, but if you're averaging 20 points a game, you're going to get considered for that just because there's not a lot of rookies that are ready to make that transition that put up those types of numbers. The numbers really, really matter for rookie of the year and what you do. So yeah, I, I, a lot of it just comes down to opportunity, what that roster looks like and what that rotation looks like for that team. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. Nick so all right, so... Good, J Rod. Nick, you had we, we talked about it a little bit during the break, and, and it's and it's coming off of the uh, the Chet Holmgren conversation in terms of betting uh, in Oklahoma City because you almost seem like wow is this season lost now and 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 the the schedule which affects these rookies have changed a little bit. You brought that up, and how does it affect how, how you bet on guys? And and let's let's use Oklahoma City for example because they're going to be they're going to be dogs in a lot of games. The Thunder were the second-best team against the spread in the NBA last year because they faced double-digit spreads game after game after game. Everybody knows they're rebuilding. They've been in a perpetual rebuild uh, for years. They were trying to rebuild, and then Chris Paul messed the whole thing up and got them in the playoffs and ruined that for them. But you're going to see what we saw last year again. Mem Memphis was actually number one against the spread because for a majority of the season, too, it was, you also had uh, John Moran out, and the market was trying to adjust to the fact that, wait, this team's really good still without John Moran, and that became a whole weird dynamic. But, you know, when you you look at the Thunder, look at the Thunder to cover a lot more than you may realize. Sneak up on teams during the regular season where even if they're on the road, let's say they're on a, a long East Coast trip and, you know, they got three games coming up in like New York, uh, Philadelphia, Boston, and they're double-digit underdogs in all those games. Well, the NBA's adjusted the schedule a little bit where there's more time between travel. They're continuing to add more rest to this. So in the end, if you get a little bit more rest, if you're the Thunder, you're not as road-weary. They're also a young team, but they're still going to be looked at, hey, this team's on a road trip, and there's they're going into Boston, and maybe they're 14-point underdogs to Boston, and Boston just played back-to-back. -back. Like Those are the types of situations where the Thunder can sneak in. They lose by 12, but they cover. So keep an eye on the Thunder as a team again this year like they were last year as someone that can sneak up and just cover a lot of those double-digit spreads. 
All right, Nick, last thing uh, before we, while we have you, because you're close to it. If you were to take a long shot, right, if we were to go away from the trend, rookie of the year, I think Johnny Davis is interesting in Washington. Do you think he'll get on the court? He was a natural scorer at Wisconsin. They need another player, a scorer next to you know, Bradley Beal in that backcourt. What do you think of Johnny Davis? He'll get some time, but I won't see him starting, and I think that's what's going to hurt him a little bit is the fact that his minutes may not be enough right away. Washington's a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. In fact, I almost can promise you they won't because this team loves to spin their wheels in the perpetual deep mud of NBA purgatory. But Johnny Davis will get a lot of time. I just don't see him starting then because there's other young guys that have kind of taken that next step they're going to give more minutes to. His minutes will just fluctuate too much. He might be all rookie second team, but I wouldn't look at him for rookie of the year. Great stuff. Nick Ashew, we appreciate hopping on the last few days in the 10 a.m. Eastern hour. Nick, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all the college football, and we'll catch up soon. There he goes. Nick, I can join us football. for the last three days. Mm. Oh, it's back. It's September. <laughs> we'll college football next right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.